When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Just be a little bit frosty on their show uh, tonight too after us at 5.30. You want to be listening to this because... Jared Healy's mm. a fine and has been for a long time a fine analyst. Veteran. And, well, and one of the finest in the caper. For a long period for of time. For a long period of time. And both radio and television. Many, many feathers. Ticks every box available. In his hat. And yet, Well, there's actually declining feathers. If you... Well, let's not go there. That happens to the finest of us. But he's still a fine, fit, strong, healthy man. Oh, absolutely. But not... In Scott Gullen's top 15, whereas well, Brad I'm Johnson is. Now, if anything can divide, divide mm. a, a team that are looking to create some chemistry <laughs> and harmony on air together. That's true. It's probably that. Now, Brad Johnson in mm. the top 15, Jared Healy not. I mm. wonder if John R. will be prepared as the junior partner in that team to bring that up <laughs> out of 5.30 tonight. Well, it'd be Would you be recommending him to do that or not? Oh, given he's only here on a temporary basis, I'd probably steer away from it. Okay, but, no worries, right. But... I know he's a man of courage, he and he'll, he'll nice. find a way to always frame it ha- that it sounds yes. really positive. Always happy to put his head over the agate throughout his career. Let's see if he can do it as a broadcaster. So, story, Bob, you showed me this story. that Bob. Now, we are both big advocates for The Guardian. Um, it feels like a balanced uh, provider of news, sport, and current affairs. And yet this story appears to be running in The Guardian only in The Guardian under Nick Tedeschi's byline. Uh, the NRL's funding feud, a breakaway league, and what it means for the game. Now, the same thing was happening with Watergate back in the 70s. Only the Washington Post was picking that up. Well, The, only... the story was being besmirched by others. But in fact, they were running stories hmm. saying it wasn't true. Well, here's the thing, though, Andy. Uh, back then, there wasn't this uh, thing called the internet. And when a story came out, uh, people had to wait for the next day's papers to come out. So there was a lot of time in between uh, the, the transfer of information. So normally when a story of this breaks, you, you're going to have others to come in and put their two bobs worth in. Uh, no one, I think, is not on this level. They've dealt with the individual correct, the, the issues. Collective of, bargaining. Yeah, all but that, never yeah. a breakaway. Well, I haven't heard anything about a breakaway uh, league, well, have you? Nick, well, Nick, today. Have you, Andy? Well, no, I have not. No. But I don't follow the... The the you know the minutiae of NRL news and the mm. sort of hour by hour developments of stories. That's right. In the NRL, do you? No, I don't. Well, but I think I, Nick Tedeschi probably does. But I would I would have thought that if there was a breakaway league, that well, this is this is um, groundbreaking stuff. Well, shall we get to Nick and he can tell us more about his story because oh, he's standing he, by and he's ready oh, to go. Yeah, that's what I was trying I to get to. We him. were having a conversation. Well, we were, but I, once right. I saw Nick was ready to go, I thought well, let's I don't probably have get that to information him. before you me. do. I do it. Yeah, it's on your screen. It's occasionally, it would be good oh. for you if you looked at that. So he says, "Ready to go, Nick Tedeschi." Right. Okay. Hey, Nick. Thanks for joining us, mate. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jen. So. Hey, Nick. That that's the thing that jumps. The story's terrific, and there's you know all of there's the elements and the categories all laid out mm, in really the way you've presented it mm. uh, in terms of the issues and and the many issues that are kind of creating that are confronting the players, the players association, the clubs, and, and the NRL in general at the moment from a collective bargaining agreement. But 
The thing that jumped off the page to a couple of Southerners down here was the fact that there's even a rebel competition somewhere in the mix. How deep in the weeds do we have to go, Nick, before we start hearing people talking about the prospect of a rival competition emerging? Yeah, look, not too deep in the weeds. It was reported kind of emerged kind of News Corp over the, the, the weekend that clubs were certainly you know in discussions with that. Like I certainly don't think it's going to end up that far. I think it's just a big stick that's being waved at the moment, but it's certainly not off the table. Yeah, it's very different to the Super League war. There's no big financial backer pushing this. There's no real need for a vision, but there's definitely a push from the clubs and the players. And you very rarely see this in labour negotiations where both the players and the clubs are on the, 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 the same page. That, uh, uh, they're, yeah, they're pushing for some pretty significant governance changes and, you know, there, there, there are some club bosses out there who think there will be some heads rolling at, uh, at HQ. Governance changes uh, are all part of the negotiations, like you mentioned, but usually when you cut to the core of what all this is about, it usually comes down to money. Would that ultimately be the most significant factor in this dispute that's currently going on? Yeah, this is about money and power in this one, so... Where the, 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 the Rebel League uh, or the breakaway competition has come from is that licensing agreements from, from clubs end in 2023. Peter Volandes runs the NRL, as he does Racing New South Wales, with a, a fairly iron fist. So pretty hard to, uh, to extract, uh, extract money from that uh, fist. So the clubs are using what's at, uh, what's at their disposal to, to, to try to eke out an extra, I think, approximately $20 million in, uh, in funding. So this is about money, but it's also a lot about power. There's a lot around, a lot of discontent in, in clubland and with players, players' association around the lack of due process that goes into things around player punishments, the player code of conduct, you know, the, the, the stalling of, of negotiations over the collective bargaining agreement. The RLPA is of the view that bargaining hasn't even begun with the NRL yet when a deal was expect to be done mid-season. So there's plenty of issues there at play. And, uh, you know, money's obviously the, 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 the big one, but, you know, kind of trying to rest some of that power and kind of bring a bit more transparency and a bit more reliance on due process is certainly part of the mix as well. If we just look at the players for a minute, and I appreciate there's separate issues from a club standpoint as there is what the players would be lobbying for, but here in the AFL, they, they get a it's a, a formula of a percentage of revenue that has to go back to the players. Do they have the same type of analysis done when it comes to dividing up money that's going to be allocated to the players? Yeah, they do. And where, where it's at now is... Um, they, there's been a significant increase in headcount in the NRL with, with players. So we're seeing the NRL uh, competition expand from 16 to 17 players. The NRLW has gone from four teams to six teams. will expand to 10 teams next year. So what one of the, the, the main goals of the RLPA is, is to ensure that there is no one going backwards on a per-head basis. So um, the NRL, uh, it's not the case that you know, you're going to get an increased percentage of revenue, whereas the RFA are saying, well, that will actually lead to a reduction in a per-head percentage of revenue. So ah. that's where some of the complications are, are, are kind of coming around in that area. And the other, you know, there's, there's still a work around the salary cap and, and where that's going to end up. But the RLPA have taken a pretty pragmatic approach to this and are looking at, at, at most of that increase going to uh, a transition fund that will help kind of medical expenses in the, in the year's after playing and ensuring that uh, um, 
that the NRLW is looked after as well, the female players who don't have a collective bargaining agreement. So uh, there's, you know, I think they're taking a pretty pragmatic approach that, you know, maybe hasn't been taken by the RPA in the past. So, mm. so just on the PA, Nick, t- typically and traditionally, have they been, um, you know, a militant group? Have they, have they have they been a strong group? Have they had what sort of presence have they had within the game at this sort of you know this sort of level? They were a very very weak uh, and disorganised group for a long long time. The last negotiation under the leadership of Clint Newton, a former former Storm player, yeah, yeah. Uh, certainly kind of came to the to, to the fore and. Uh, and quoting one club boss yesterday, they have been heading into this negotiation, professional, prepared, progressive, uh, and, and stands in complete contrast to where the NRL have been in this. So the thoughts are that the RLPA has spent most of the year, most of the year in the meetings they've had with the NRL, actually educating the NRL on, on what they need to know, and, and not actually getting to a point of bargaining. So I would say that you know, far from being militant, I'd say they're a pretty pragmatic organisation. Yep. Probably the first time in the history of the last five or six years in the history, actually strong. Uh, and you mentioned the the way in which Peter Volandis has uh, approaches things um, and throughout the course of, uh, in recent times, in particular with some of the negotiations. Uh, in, in your guess, how likely is this going to resolve in conflict? Do, do, are, is there an expectation that with, with all this money that's, a, that's going around that, that ultimately they'll come to a figure or, or is sensing a bit of... A bit more to it this time around, particularly coming from the players. Well, I, 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 I think that there, I think the, the, this could it has the potential to come to a head, and I don't think Peter Volandi is going to be the victim in all this. He rarely, rarely is. But the CEO Andrew Abdo has been relatively powerless in all this, and I think the clubs are, are fed up and are probably looking for looking for a scalp or so. And the clubs actually do, if United have the ability to remove Peter Volandi, if it got to that point uh, under the um, Australian Rugby League Commission Constitution. They need uh, 14 of the, the the 26 commissioners, 27 when the Dolphins enter, to to be able to remove uh, Volandis. There's a belief in Cobbland that all teams are are united on this. So I don't think it'll get to a point where where we're seeing you know the chairman having to be forced out. But I do think we are going to see his powers curbed significantly. There's a good chance we're going to see the CEO ousted in the next little period. I don't think this is going to win anytime soon. How will oh. that? How the the people politics in all of this, Nick, yeah. are, are pretty interesting. And and Peter Volandis has got a reputation that's evolved, you know, south of the border over the last couple of years for obvious reasons. If there is to be um, uh, diminishing of his power base, h- how will he cope with that? Uh, <laughs> I don't. Think he's, I don't. Think he's coped too well in the past, so I don't think it's. Uh, uh, I, I don't think he will cope with it well, but he's also a reasonable, well, he's a very good politician, yeah. and I dare say, you know, he's going to be able to spin this however he needs to, but I think where he's going to, to, to really need to change to actually win win back the base is just change the way the NRL operates. The NRL became, the NRL will prove, yeah, and rugby league in general administratively has been a rabble for a long, long time. It, 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 once the commission kind of came in, there, there was a professionalism trying to catch up to what the AFL had done in the 90s, kind of making inroads in that in terms of you know, gaining some kind of credence with, with politicians, funding, all those things that, 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 that help Ooh. kind of make a form on the left side of the last couple of years. So I think there's some, some 
Mate, well, um, we appreciate you uh, giving us an overview of the piece that's running in The Guardian. It's all there for people who want to go and find it. The NRL's funding for you to breakaway league and what it means for the game. Nick Tedeschi is the author and the voice that uh, has been on the other end of the phone for us. Thanks for coming on, mate. We appreciate your time. Absolute pleasure. Anytime, guys. Good on you. Good on you, Nick. We'll see how that one plays out. It's 17 minutes to four.